All right, I'm lit. I'm lit. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> I promise. All right. Yeah, that's working now. I was just uh, this morning when we were singing uh, just the greatness of our God. I just thought, man, you know. Uh, I've spent my life, I, ha, I have spent most of my life, and I've been sharing with, with the, uh, the people that I'm meeting with right now, the 29, uh, just sharing with them how I literally, I think it was 1988 when I came across experiencing God, and God just really started shifting my, my whole focus from religion to, re, to a relationship with him and just what that might look like, started, starts to look like. And I've been since then, man, just uh, that, was, that was like the, the, I got lit spiritually at that moment and then from that point on it's been a uh, you know just a constant journey of uh, in an in insatiable desire to know God by experience through obedience just pursuing God in his word in my experience through other believers uh, in the church just coming to know God in very intimate ways and and uh, and that's that desire I can tell you is at a place right now where I will never desire anything. I mean, that is, that is the fuel of my life. That's the thing that just drives me forward without a doubt. And so, uh, you know, the, re- the reason why I'm meeting right now in one-on-one meetings with 29 people, uh, I'm beginning to understand. That I'm doing it because the Lord said do it, but... What I'm beginning to understand as we're meeting is that that is the only thing I have to offer people is just really just a a long journey of failure after failure and a few successes and getting to the point of of where I am now. What I want for you, uh, those that are meeting with me and for our church, is for us to get to the point where we are legitimately from our hearts driven by a passion that's so real and so pointed towards God, that yes, we're, in, we're interested in his kingdom's work on the earth, and we're, we're, we're driven to multiply uh, the, the body of believers in other communities and to move forward, but all of that is driven by a passion that is for him and him alone, and I know that all that I know is nothing compared to who he is, the greatness of our God. Uh, I, but nothing can stop that. Nothing can take away that desire. And as I was preparing the message this week, I was, you know, I, I looked at the text, and part of the text was, you know, it was, it was really short, and which you would have loved if I had just done that and we'd have gone to the house. But I just couldn't make myself. I knew there was something also in a little bit larger text that the Lord was trying to speak about what it means to multiply community, what's going on in the book of Acts. And so, you know, I I hope you're finding yourself in the book of Acts. I hope you're finding yourself as a a person who's who's had a genuine personal experience with the Holy Spirit, with God, through Jesus and his resurrection, his death and resurrection, that you have come, been redeemed, and that that's a legitimate experience and not some religious experience. But if it is, then you should be connecting with all these these responses that that believers have to the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We should be 
also be seeing all these things happening in our lives. And we should see ourselves progressing and moving forward and, and getting a deeper, a deeper passion for him and a deeper passion for his work. And ultimately that that results in a deep passion for community that where we're even willing to give away our possessions and sell them and give to each one as they have need. And, and, and we begin to be more and more selfless when we're with community. And we, and we begin to have this desire and this passion for the lost. And, it, and we should be looking more and more like Christ. Which, you know, I believe this pure community in its infancy with the Holy Spirit is probably the purest picture that we're ever going to see of community that's biblical. Surely, we look at Paul, we see, you know, one of the purest people of what community looks like, of what a person looks like when he's filled with the Spirit. But as far as community is involved, and it's this, this community that's forming in the book of Acts, from this point on, as, as Paul starts moving forward and, and Barnabas and he gets on his missionary journeys and they begin to move the message of Christ forward and begin to go and, and check on these churches. Uh, you're going to see problems in the church. So the purity of that church, that biblical community that's walking in the Holy Spirit begins to be tainted a little bit. Never lose it. God's always there, but that is who we are as humans living in a world. Imperfect humans trying to make sense of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. And we, we have mixed feelings and emotions and motives and passions. And, and even when we're working for the Lord and in community together, trying to pursue what God would desire for us to pursue, or the Holy Spirit, what he would lead us to do, we still have mixed passions. Our passions get out of place. We end up getting a passion for the work instead of a passion for the Lord. And so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about multiply community <clears throat> as we continue to work through the book of Acts. In chapter 16, the first 11 or so verses show us what multiplied, another dynamic of multiplied community, and that is the dynamic of being driven and directed. Before we, before we go into this, I just want to say that, that to, this has been a week where this message has presented itself as being needed, all right? As I've shared and talked with people this week, and as I've seen problems that people are experiencing that are in this body, this is a message that we need right now. So I'm saying that because I want to heighten your attention. I want to ask you to get to spiritually to sit up. Not physically necessary, although that might be what you might need to do that too. Or stand up, do whatever you got to do to tap into this word. Over the last three weeks, or three or four weeks, man, God has just been nailing these messages into right where we are as a church and in our attempts to, to uh, multiply biblical community. You know, you know the stories of what's going on with us right now and how God is multiplying this community in other places. And this is so it's real to us. And it's not by accident the Holy Spirit has gotten us to the place where we are studying in the Word, diving into the text and the context of this passage to find out what does it look like to be a biblical community. And from the very beginning, we've said this, that, that we, we feel strongly that the Lord has us in this study 
and that it's purposeful and it's timely. It's for now and it's for us. So y'all with me? All right, I'm, so, I'm excited about this message today and about us evaluating ourselves. We're going to find ourselves falling short today. And I hope it doesn't discourage you because finding ourselves falling short is good because we're going to see a goal. We're going to see a direction. Uh, and, and some of us are going to be better at what we're talking about than others. But, but we're going to see some goals for us as we begin to multiply communities. So I hope you are ready to consider these things and struggle with them this week and bring your struggles to life group and, and flesh those things out together and talk about it and come back with questions or whatever it takes and, and, and go back to the Lord and find out what, what do we need to do to be with the Holy Spirit as he multiplies community through the gathering place. What do we need to do? What do we need to be? So Acts chapter 16. Let's read the first five verses first. <clears throat> Paul came also to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem, so that the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. All right, let's pause there for a minute and, and unfold some of this text and what's going on in the story. So remember that Paul and Silas and Barnabas and John Mark are traveling. They're, they're, they've been uh, sent out by the church at Antioch. And they're traveling now back to these churches to bring some encouragement. But part of their encouragement was to bring the report of the decision that the elders and the, the uh, apostles made concerning uh, the, the uh, Jewish believers' um, desire to have more of the Mosaic uh, laws and some of the, some of the uh, requirements that Moses had for the people. To have some of the Gentiles take those on. And so they're doing what the Holy Spirit's given them to do to maintain unity between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers because the Holy Spirit told that council that there were four things that they should do. And we talked about those a few weeks ago. So they are saying, yes, you hold on to four things that will help you to be able to be what you need to be and, and, and have, the, have a good audience and, uh, with Jewish believers and Jews who are not believers. It's for the sake of unity that these elders and apostles followed what the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. So Paul, in, this, in the text, as they're going out, they come to Durban, Lystra, and he finds a, 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 a young man, a disciple, He's called in the scripture a follower of Christ named Timothy who has this great reputation. He's a strong believer, has a great reputation with, with everyone. And he's wanting to bring Timothy along with him as he goes uh, to check on the churches and to preach the gospel in some new places. So he's on his second missionary journey and he's going out and he chooses T 
Timothy. Now, remember last week that Paul rejected John Mark. He rejected John Mark because John Mark had, had, had left them. And he, and, and, uh, and he was not willing to take someone who left them when, when they were on their first missionary journey, who left them for whatever reason John Mark left them. We assume that it was probably because he wasn't at the same place they were spiritually. He runs back to Jerusalem to hang out with the apostles and the elders and the big crowds of people who, who are, uh, who are ga- gaining support and gathering support from each other. And remember last week we talked about unified division, that that they were both unified and that they were pursuing the Holy Spirit's leadership in their life. But, but, uh, but Barnabas had to s- separate from Paul because Paul's the risk-taking preacher whose call was to go and spread the gospel to the Gentiles and to Jews and to kings and go to the places where they would be opposed. And he was that kind of person. And John Mark wasn't there yet. And, and yet he had grown and he was wanting to go with Paul and, and Barnabas uh, and Paul said no because of his past. And Barnabas said, well, I'm going I'm to do what God's called me to do. And that is Paul, I mean, Barnabas was an encourager. It's what he was called to do. And, and so he takes John Mark and continues to disciple him. And they, they separate. But Paul had re- refused to take John Mark. So there's something about Timothy, the point being, there's something about Timothy that Paul sees that he wants. I don't know what that was particularly, but I think we can see some of the reasons why the Holy Spirit was drawing Paul's heart to him, to bring him along uh, as we continue on in the text. And, And as we do that, there's two specific things that are consistent with what Paul was and what Paul desired from anyone who was going to come alongside him. There were two particular characteristics that we're going to see today that I also want to challenge us to think about. Because I believe, ultimately, John Mark possessed these two characteristics as well. Because Paul said that he was helpful to his ministry later. We read that last week, that Paul eventually asked for John Mark of one of three people that he asked for. He asked for John Mark to come to support him because he had proven helpful in ministry. So what does that mean to Paul? What's he looking for? And, and is this a characteristic that would be true about any believer who is following the Holy Spirit, who has encountered the Holy Spirit and is wanting to be, by the Holy Spirit's leadership, a part of multiplying the church? And I would say yes. And it's those two characteristics are the characteristics of being driven and being directed. So look at it with me. First of all, Paul was driven and directed. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. Paul was driven. Okay, let's look at driven first. Remember in Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives this this, uh, pedigree, his spiritual pedigree. And he talks about who he was uh, as a Jew and as a a spiritual leader and as a man who studied and had education and who he studied under and uh, and the zeal that he had for the the church of the day, for the Jewish religion and, and perpetuating that and how deep all of that stuff was. But then Paul says this in verse 8. He says, indeed, though, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, 
I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order to gain in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, know scope, know him, knowledge by experience. And, And he clarifies that and lets you know it's not just Head knowledge, but it's knowledge by experience by the next two statements. And the power of his resurrection. So you don't know power by just knowing it in your brain. He wants to experience that, to know it in his experience, the power that comes from Christ, the power of his resurrection that he senses and experiences in the Holy Spirit. And he says that, and may share his sufferings, even becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul had a passion. He was driven, and he was driven by the knowledge that he had gained of Christ, the knowledge that made him look at his past and say, all of those things that I was pursuing in the past, all of my religious pedigree, those things that you guys count as significant, I count as lost compared to this. I might continually know Christ progressively, continually gain more and more knowledge of Christ by experience through obedience. That I, even to the point of suffering for him, that's a man that's driven. That's someone that's driven. Someone that's driven is someone that doesn't just go after Christ. They're not just interested in Christ. They're not just wanting to hang around with people who know Christ. They're not just wanting to read about Christ. They're wanting to experience Christ in their lives, to know him in his power through their lives, to the point of being willing to risk their lives. So it makes sense that Paul said to John Mark, or to Barnabas, we're not taking John Mark with us because the last time we had to go, he was not driven, and I need guys that are driven with me. I need women who are driven with me. If we're going together, they need to be driven. Now, Timothy who Paul says he needed for this job. Is there any evidence that Timothy is driven? I think so. I think we see pretty clear evidence here that Timothy is driven. Paul already saw evidence of it in his life. But here he is, a man who, first of all, was from a mixed family. And I think Paul wanted him for that reason. He, he, was, he came from a mixed family, which most of the Jews would have rejected him for that. Uh, he, he wasn't allowed. He wouldn't have been allowed to speak in the synagogue uh, being from having a mother who was a Jew and a father who was a Greek, uh, had he not been circumcised. But he was from a mixed fam- family. And Paul, for some reason, I think Paul saw him and said, you know, that would be good for this task that we're about to go after, right? Because we're going after Jews and Greeks now. This ministry that we're doing is, is a Jew and Greek kind of ministry. So what better than to have a man who's driven, who also has a father who's a Greek and a mother who's a Jew, What better person to have with us? Because if we have problems with the Greeks, he can speak to that. If we have problems with the Jews, he can speak to that. I think Paul saw that. Because Paul's message was for the Jews and the Greeks. So ideally, Paul needed someone who could relate to and would love both. Timothy could be that. But Paul needed someone who was driven. He didn't just look at the outside. He looked at the inside also and the effect that that Timothy was having. He was driven in his relationship with Christ. And I don't know what all showed, uh, gave him evidence of that, but 
But Paul was willing to ask him to be circumcised. Now, I don't know a lot about what that would be like for a, a man, but I can imagine that that would be a challenge to accept a call to go do something, and I would have to be circumcised as a man before I go do it. Y'all feeling me? Okay. Let's make sure I'm not standing alone here. Paul was concerned because Paul was not concerned about, uh, uh, Paul was concerned about following the Lord's call, and he was driven to, to know Christ more and obey Christ in everything that he led him to do, to be obedient to whatever Christ led him to do, to the point that he, wanted, he was looking around for people that could legitimately help him with his cause. And he knew that there was no way, for instance, that Timothy, as, as good as it seemed like he would be and as driven as it seemed like he was, that he would not be able to go with him into the synagogues to speak had he not been circumcised. He had probably, I mean, think about, about the call, I mean, about, about that decision and how driven he must have been to make that decision. He's already saying, I'm willing to suffer with Christ, like Paul said. I'm willing to suffer for the sake of the name of Christ. He wasn't willing to suffer for any other reason. He was, his passion was not for anything other than Christ. And the scripture unfolds that for us. But I will suffer to the point of circumcision for the cause of Christ. What makes it even more significant is that he was surely rejected by Jews all of his life. Called names, half Jew, you know, or, or Gentile. Or, you know, I, 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 my mind went to the, to the scene in... Uh, Star Trek, whenever Spock was rejected by, or he was accepted by the high council of the Vulcans. Any nerds in here besides me? And, he, yeah. and they couldn't believe that he, that he turned them down whenever he talked about his, his uh, human mother. He was done. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a community that, that Timothy had to live in with Jews all around, never accepted. And so he's going to go through this physical pain. He's going to suffer knowing that the people he's suffering to help are people that have ridiculed him all of his life. Doesn't that sound like the suffering of Christ? Yeah, I mean, this is what Paul's talking about. I'm willing to suffer even like Christ suffered, to suffer unjustly, to suffer on purpose, to, to give grace to somebody else. Now, that's, that's a huge deal. And we know, we can see that Timothy is obviously driven. He also wasn't, he wasn't expected to, didn't have to be uh, circumcised. Paul certainly wasn't requiring it. He, he, he led him to do it, asked him to do it, but he wouldn't have required it. Paul didn't require uh, anyone to be circumcised. Matter of fact, Paul preached against those who would require sacrifice or, or require circumcision. Galatians chapter two, verse three, he talks about Titus. He says, "Even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek." In that case, he's speaking to the Galatian church, who was there were Judaizers who were trying to get them to to add to the, the gospel some of the works of the law. So he was, Paul wasn't requiring it. The Jews didn't require it. He could go to temple. The Jews didn't require, require him to be circumcised. 
And, and obviously, the Jerusalem council that Paul and, and uh, Silas were going to spread their word, the Jews, Jerusalem council didn't require it. So it's not required. It's four people who ridiculed him all of his life. But in his passionate desire, this, this drive that he has to, to know Christ and to, be, uh, to, to gain more knowledge of him by experience through obedience, his, he was enamored with Christ. He was sold out, driven to serve him like Paul was. His decision had been made. He, he was done with that. It's not, his life is no longer about him. His life is about serving God. It's about knowing God. It's about pursuing God. So no wonder, no wonder Paul wants to take him with him. Man, this is right up Paul's alley. This guy is, is the next Barnabas. The Holy Spirit needs driven believers. If God's going to multiply this community, the Holy Spirit needs driven believers. And unless you would isolate yourself, pull yourself away from this call and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not the one that he's calling, you're wrong. He's calling all of us to be driven believers. John Mark didn't have a way out. John Mark really in his mind was convinced he was ready to go now after he had left Paul because God didn't quit working in his life to bring him to the point of being totally enamored with Christ and sold out to Christ to the cause and, and to, to take on his cause as his own and the development of his kingdom being his, now his new life goal to just know Christ as he obeyed him and worked with him to change lives. It was, John Mark got that. There's nobody that's left behind. I think some of us, the reason why I'm saying that is I think some of us would exclude ourselves from this call. And I want to, I want to say to this, if you are, consider yourself to be a part of this, of the gathering place, if you consider yourself that this to be your church, then let me, let me help you to know what your call is. We have a call to be driven. We are after this with everything that we have. It is, our, it is one of our distinctives. This, this is who Jesus is. And so how can it not make sense that if Jesus lives in us, that we wouldn't also begin to see a deeper and deeper desire and passion to go after Christ through obedience, to see his kingdom multiplied, to see churches formed who are about him instead of about themselves. It makes sense. But we miss that. Somehow today I've added this to the message and added these scriptures from the Moravian readings this morning. And so you'll know what I mean by Moravian readings. Someone asked me today. It's just the scripture divided into daily readings. So you read through the Bible in a year. But these particular readings have seemed to, they, the Moravians have taken these readings and they put them kind of thematically together. So they're from a number of different places in the Bible. But the one in Mark gives us a perfect illustration of where the disciples even were whenever Christ was about to be crucified. Look at it in Mark chapter 9. Verses 30 and 32, Jesus 
is bearing his soul at the end of his life. He's opening up his soul to his disciples to say, here's what I'm passionate about, and here's where I'm going. Here's where my passion for the Father is going to take me. It says, they went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand his saying, and they were afraid to ask him. So Jesus is saying, I'm driven to do what my Father is telling me to do, and it's going to lead me to death, and, and, and I'm still going to where, where the Father's leading me because God has a purpose in, in my life and what I do when I'm doing what he leads me to do. I'm going all the way to death, and the Father will complete his purpose. Jesus lived a driven life in front of the apostles. But what is their response to that? Look at verse 33 through 35. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. utmost this morning, spoke about not praying for revival, but being obedient to the Holy Spirit for revival. He, he brought the Old Testament passage out where, where it says that, that God says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your obedience. The difference between Many believers today and a driven believer is this, and find yourself wherever you are on the spectrum. The difference between most believers and a driven believer is that we will pray uh, every night for revival. We'll gather in cottage prayer meetings, is what we used to call them. We'll get in homes and we'll ask God and we'll beg God for revival and we'll fast. It was, we won't eat for a period of time and ask God to please send revival and awakening in our town. But none of us are willing to risk our lives and go into obedience, so we're not driven yet. How many of us are ready? I mean, tired of, of just praying for something to happen and asking God to do something to, that, that we're not willing to, to act on? If we're going to be driven, then the time's going to have to come, and I hope it's now, I hope it's today, that we will quit praying about revival and start joining God to bring revival in this town. You know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen the same way it happened in Acts. Is people are going to see you blown away by the person and character of God that you're discovering in your own life. They're going to see that you are enamored with a person and, and not a church and, and not a way of thinking or philosophy. They're going to see that you're, you are totally committed to going after Christ personally, and they're going to want what you have. You have what they want. You have what they need. And we just need to know God in a way that will reveal that. And, and, and that's what's going to cause it to happen. It's, our, it's, it's us pursuing God. The fruit of pursuing is passion. 
I've had some people, what they pursue is they pursue a ministry in a church or they pursue a a position in a church. And when you pursue that, I've heard people say multiple times, my passion is youth ministry. My passion is children's ministry. My passion is prayer ministry. Then your passion's out of place. We we shouldn't have a passion for things. We, We need to have a passion for him. That's what needs to drive us. We need to be driven to Christ to the person of Christ. And until that happens, all these other things are not going to even be helpful. Our passion needs to be him. Paul clearly defines his passion as not the things he was doing, but the person. It was to know him. That kind of passion, and when it gets in you, it will never let up. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so excited today about what the Lord's doing in my life and how he's growing my knowledge of him. You never get it. You're never going to be done. Uh, your, your knowledge of him will be, be nothing compared to his glory and who he is. But you're going to go after that. And nothing can stop that. You know, no doubts, no fears, man's thoughts and ideas. None of that stuff's going to stop you from pursuing. If you want to pray, let's pray right. Let's pray for a deeper passion for the Lord. Let's pray for more knowledge of who he is. Let's pray for him to show himself to us, to reveal himself to us in a way that grips us so that we're driven. James said in James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Yeah, we have passions, but there are passions. I can tell you as a minister of 38 years that I spent most of that time, or at least half of that time, pursuing a passion that was not from Christ. It was my passion. God did not give me what I asked for. He ultimately gave me what I really wanted. And that was a passion for him, and I praise him for that. He didn't leave me there, and I don't want to leave you there. The Holy Spirit would have us to be driven to multiply. The gathering place needs driven believers. So, I'm asking God, and how can I help you, and how can we help each other to gain a deeper passion for him that would drive us to do whatever he calls us to do as a church? The second thing that the Holy Spirit did that Paul noticed and desired to have uh, was that that person would be directed. Paul needed someone who didn't have all the answers already, who, who didn't already know the way, didn't have uh, a, a Google Maps yet. You know, they didn't know where they were going. And Paul needed somebody that would come with him that would, that would be submissive to the Holy Spirit, that would just allow the Holy Spirit to lead moment by moment at times, that the Holy Spirit would come in and and give direction, and they would not fight about whether they were going to go the direction that the Holy Spirit was leading them to go, but that they would all go together. He needed somebody that would support him in that, somebody that would be passionate enough about knowing God that, that they would follow the Holy Spirit's leadership to wherever he would lead them to go. And we see that in chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, that Paul and Timothy were both directed by the Holy Spirit. Look at it, Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, 
But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They were directed by the Holy Spirit. They were directed by the Holy Spirit. This is not uh, the same as Paul's call. God had a purpose for Paul in Paul's life. God called Paul. God prepared Paul. Even Paul's background in the church and all of his pedigree was part of Paul's usefulness to God. (laughs) Because God doesn't waste anything. So he takes Paul's past experience and he sanctifies it and he uses it so that Paul can can use that in his his, uh, spreading of the gospel. But Paul had a call. You know, in, in the scripture, I think a few weeks ago we might have shared this. If not, I definitely read it to somebody. That Paul's call was as it was described to Ananias before uh, he... Was it Ananias who gave him his sight? Or am I thinking Ananias and Sapphira? Somebody help me. It was Ananias, wasn't it? Yeah, a different Ananias, I hope. But anyway, yeah, because he was dead. So, yeah, so Ananias was told by the Holy Spirit, Paul's coming, and don't worry about him. He is, my, he is called. He, I have called him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and, and to kings. All right, I have a call on Paul's life. All right, but listen, everybody with me still? Don't miss this point. Paul's call and his answer to the call and his understanding of the call is 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 looking at his life and saying, God has a vision and a purpose for my life, and we all need that. And a lot of people will say that your, God's vision for your life is done. You, you've done all the seeking you need to do. You've done all the, the uh, searching that you need to do. Uh, you've got your direction from God. Go fulfill God's call and do it whatever way you like. Henry Blackaby says, that God speaks through the Holy, by the Holy Spirit through, through his word, through prayer, circumstances in the church to reveal himself and his ways, his purpose and his ways. Himself, his purpose, and his ways. And I couldn't be in more agreement with anybody about what, the, what God reveals. He speaks by the Holy Spirit. He certainly speaks by the Holy Spirit through his word. He certainly speaks... By the Holy Spirit, through circumstances, through other believers, through prayer. He certainly does. And when he speaks, he certainly reveals himself. And that's what we're talking about, being totally blown away by who he is. When he reveals himself by his Holy Spirit through all these four different ways. He also reveals his purpose, which is Paul's call to preach, which is Barnabas' call to to, uh, encourage but he also speaks his ways. The Holy Spirit didn't just send them out and say, good luck, go fulfill your call. The Holy Spirit went with them, in them, which is better than Jesus being with a, uh, uh, 
limited in who he could be with. He said, it's better for you that I go all the way. The Holy Spirit comes, and he will guide you. The Holy Spirit's the one that's guiding them. And in this particular case, he guides them two ways. First of all, he forbids them to go to Phrygia and Galatia. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go to Phrygia and Galatia and did not allow them to go into Bithynia. And both of those were places they intended to go. Did you see it in the text? They had been forbidden to go. Even though they were going that direction, even though it made sense in their minds for them to preach the gospel everywhere, that the Holy Spirit directs them by forbidding them. Listen. Being directed by the Holy Spirit, I believe, involves the Spirit accomplishing that task in two different ways. Number one, He forbids us. Even when we're driven by the Spirit, we still need His direction at at times in our lives to slow us down, to turn us around, to change directions. Even when you get that driven heart, which, by the way, until you get that, it's hard to make this application. But when you are driven to know God, you are passionate about going after him. When you're, doing, when you're trying to adjust all of your life to that, you're giving your best effort to that. Then what you want to do is you want to go everywhere. Right? You just want to go. You just spread it. right? Tell it. Speak it. Build it for the sake of Christ. You want everybody to know. But we know that we live in a world that doesn't operate that way. Now, I don't know why particularly the Lord forbids to allow them to go to Asia, but I've read some commentaries. There's certainly some speculation out there. Nobody really knows why God wouldn't allow them to go to Asia because he doesn't tell us that. But we do know that going to Asia was on his way to death. He found opposition everywhere in the western part of Asia. He built the church there anyway. But why would God not allow it at that particular time? Because God knows what he's doing. That's what matters. It's not that, that, Paul, that, that uh, Paul and Timothy are not driven and passionate about the God they're serving and getting the message out. It's not that they don't have a purpose. It's that God knows when the time is right. Even Jesus, this is what Jesus did. Don't tell anybody. Why? Is it because Jesus was ashamed of himself? It's because ultimately the world wouldn't know who he was? No, because the Father told him, tell them not to tell anybody. He didn't do anything on his own, right? He sought the Father for everything he did, and the Father was guiding him because his time had not yet come, the Scripture says. Okay, listen. The Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit to direct us, especially if we're driven. I think what happens a lot of times, I think what began to happen in my life is I got driven to know God. I started pursuing God, and then I started just taking it on, ultimately taking it wherever I would take it. And I got off task and off track. And the Holy Spirit had to bring me back. But had I been yielding myself to the Holy Spirit in my driven state, I think the Holy Spirit would have led me some different directions than where he led me. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to forbid us to do things. Even things that are good, things that we're called to do. In this case, this is a good thing, but the timing was not right. I love that God forbade it. I love that God was protecting them against themselves. 
in the multiplying of the church. He was protecting them against themselves and their own driven, their own passion. The Holy Spirit's good that way, and, we, and he's the one we're after. We're pursuing him. And so it makes sense that the Holy Spirit should be the one in the driver's seat telling us which way to go. And so he guides them. Somehow he shuts that door. I don't know what it was, but, but we need the Holy Spirit to direct us because of our flesh. And when we're multiplying for the right reasons, the Holy Spirit will sometimes shut us down. Uh, I could give many illustrations about that, but let me give one that all of us can deal with, all of us can relate to, and that is sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. There are some people that say you just need to go into every place and just do it. So you should just walk in, go to a door, share the gospel. Is sharing the gospel wrong? No, it's always right. It's good, right? That's a beautiful thing. But how many people... Are there, is their salvation delayed, or is their salvation, or maybe they've turned off to God for a large, large portion of their life? Because we are going to go and do what we want to do when we want to do it. How much of our discovery of God is also lost by us not asking God to open doors for us, to, to watch God work in the lives of believers? Right now, uh, what I've encouraged all of you to do is to, is to bless people. To begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and then as God opens the door and you know it's him, share the gospel. But we're waiting on the Holy Spirit. We're not standing still. We are moving out. We are doing what Jesus did. We are in relationship with people. We are out with people. Some of you just need to get your place, yourself in places where lost people are. But once you're there, man, start blessing people. But the beauty of doing it that way is you get to see God do something, and you know it wasn't you. Like, I didn't even know this one guy at a coffee shop was not a believer. I, had been, I knew him for a year, but I didn't know he wasn't a believer because he looked like one, and he acted like one. And God opened up a conversation uh, one day. God opened it up. I did what God told me to do, and this guy asked, uh, told me. He just said, well, I'm not a Christian, but blah, 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 blah. And then he asked for a copy of my book, which I knew was God. It was you know, what would cause a Christian, a, a person who's not a believer, to ask me for my book, which has the gospel in it. And then the next two weeks later, he was gone. I mean, gone, like he left the coffee shop. He's got another job. I know. Look, I'm so excited to see what the Lord's going to do in his life. Because God set that up. God did it all. And so you look for that, and, and you get to experience God in it. And God wants us to have experiences with him, to see him moving and working and not take matters into our own hands. So they were directed by the Holy Spirit. And one way that the Holy Spirit directs is he forbids us. Some of you got goals in your life. You want to go do something. God forbids it. God shuts it down. How many times does that happen for you? Anyone? Got testimonies? That you go on, you're going after something, and God shuts it down. You're going out, you really want God's will, and you're going after it, and he shuts it down. Jobs being shut down. You know, uh, directions, moves being shut down. Houses you want to buy, shut down. Cars you want to get, shut down. See, a lot of smiles. We've all experienced that. That's one of the ways the Holy Spirit works. He is active in our lives. But definitely, as we're multiplying community, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit shutting things down. We wait on the Holy Spirit. We've been in Honduras for, as a church for six years. Aaron's been there longer than that. Seven, eight years probably. 
we've had some connection with Honduras. It wasn't until this year that God opened the door for us to plant churches there. Seven years. Holy Spirit shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. But then he did the second thing. That is, he guided them. Now, sometimes we're forbidden by the Spirit. Other times we're guided by the Spirit. All right, so the Holy Spirit guides him. What does he do? He gives him a vision of a man calling out in Macedonia for them to come and help. And, and, that, and the Holy Spirit, he, he comes to the conclusion, which we'll talk about in a second. He comes to the conclusion that that was the Holy Spirit telling them where to go. I'm so glad that this passage of Scripture is here. That Paul the Apostle, who was so successful as a missionary, gives us a very specific evidence of how he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the Holy Spirit guides in multiple ways. We gave some categories of ways. And it's so uncomfortable for us. We, this is one of the reasons why this is a timely message. <laughs> because we have a, a, a people in our church that are being called by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit to go somewhere else. And it seems so random and so uh, impulsive at times when that stuff happens. And we're scared for people to be like random, irresponsible, impulsive children who, who love God and are, who, who have that driven passion for the Lord. And we're still scared whenever they have some, the Holy Spirit speaks through some strange means. I can tell you right now that if any of you came to me after the service today and said, I had a vision of uh, a little girl crying out in Yugoslavia. And I think the Holy Spirit's telling me I need to go to Yugoslavia to be a missionary. I just had this vision. I, w- I would have some issues with that. <laughs> it's, it's probably just my background. I, I wouldn't have issues in the sense that I don't believe it's true. And I definitely believe, obviously, that the Holy Spirit can direct you that way. But we've got to quit writing off some of these things that the Holy Spirit, the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. He can speak however he wants to. And the, and the focus of God's Holy Spirit speaking is not you as, a, as an onlooker. It's the person who's getting spoken to. And if the Holy Spirit needs to speak to me in a way so that I'll understand it, I want, then he's going to speak to me in a way that I'll understand it. And I don't, honestly, I love you, but I don't need your support. Okay? I, for me. And I get it. Look, my kids told me they were going to Lafayette. These two right here told me God was telling them to move to Lafayette, and I was going, oh, man, they're so impulsive. But I'm, I'm excited about it. Because God's going to have his way in their lives. And he certainly did. And there was meaning in that. And God moving in that direction was meaningful to them. And he spoke to them in a way that wouldn't have been enough for me. You see what I'm saying, man? I judge that. We all do. But we got to rest in this. That people are de- who are determined to multiply community and be used by God to multiply community, they're going to be directed by the Holy Spirit. If they are driven 
to God. And their dri- the driving passion of their life is to know him. It, it's not going to ever be perfect. And certainly some people that are, have spent less time in that we think would be less prepared. But Paul had no time in it. And he went right from persecuting the church to preaching in the synagogues that Jesus was the Christ. Because he had a blinding light experience on Damascus Road. God knows what it's going to take. The Holy Spirit is personal. He lives in your life. He's going to guide you. I know it sounds strange, and I know we as Baptists have a hard time accepting the fact that the Holy Spirit is real at times and that he can speak and move and and all that stuff. But that's one of the things we need to embrace. We don't embrace all the the craziness uh, necessarily of uh, of a lot of the, the... demonstrative gifts that people talk about, and we're certainly not passionate about that or going after that, but we're not excluding that. But here's one we need to include. If we're going to be a church that multiplies community, then we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit can speak and will speak. And I love what he said. He didn't say, we, uh, we saw, I saw the vision, you know, about the guy crying out to Macedonia, And so I I knew for sure God was telling us to go to Macedonia. He didn't say that. He said, I concluded that God had called us to preach the the gospel to them. That word means to come to a solution or decision, implying a process of putting together different aspects of related information. All right, let me read it again. It implies a process of putting together different aspects of related information. That sounds a lot like what we do at the gathering place. When we're asking God, we're seeking God, God, please speak to me. Not so that I can do the right thing, but so I can know you through obedience. Speak to me. Tell me what I need to do about this situation, that situation. And then I can conclude that you are leading me in the right direction and I'm going that way. Ultimately, you're either going to be paralyzed or you're going to be directed. And your thoughts and ideas and getting, uh, you know, logic and reason most of the time are going to fight against you instead of fight for you until you start seeing what God does and then it becomes logical and reasonable. When you start seeing God work, then it becomes logical and reasonable. When you start seeing the world change, it becomes logical and reasonable. Oh, I see what you're doing. So we're asking at the gathering place for the Lord to speak. We're teaching about abiding in Christ, which means doing his will simply. That's it. Abiding in Christ is doing his will, but you got to know what his will is before you can do it. So we pursue God. We, We are passionate about the Lord directing our lives so that we can see him and, and watch him move instead of finding out what we can do in our own power. All right, y'all good? And listen, this is, this, is, this is powerful for us. And I want to just encourage all of you to please not give up and exclude yourself from this message today because you are the ones that it's for. Part of multiplying community means that God is going to call the Gathering Place Church In its entirety, he's going to call all of us to be driven and directed. And he's not going to necessarily get the answer yes from all of us. But there's not a person who's connected to this church that's not called to pursue God in a way that would lead to us being driven and directed. 
two characteristics that we need in this church as we multiply. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's timely. This message couldn't have come at a better time for us because we are experiencing things in our body that have brought about a, a real felt need for this message. And so I pray, Father, that we would be consumed with you that you would grab our hearts, God, that you would show us more of yourself. And Lord, I know that in every little piece of anything that you show of your character that you reveal to us, our love for you increases, our faith in you increases. But we need to see you. We need to know you in our experience. Father, give us the passion that Timothy had. Give us the, the drive that he had and the passion and, and willingness that he had to be directed by your Holy Spirit. And then, Father, show yourself to us. Build your kingdom full of believers who love you and are going after you. Help us with our doubts and our fears. God, I pray that you speak clearly to us this week as we seek you for your will in specific areas of our life. I pray that this message, Lord, and your Holy Spirit through the message would convince us, Lord, that you speak, that you direct. And Father, that, that you would give answers to people today and this week that are looking for answers about direction for their lives and that they would make decisions based on your directions. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen.